Hey y'all, welcome to Common Good Podcast. Uh, glad you're with us today. It's Wednesday. Hey, we're going to talk with you today about what's happening at the border. We were just down in Eagle Pass, Texas this week. Uh, became the center point of a lot of activity in the national news and the local news for Texas. Because uh, Governor Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, decided to um, install razor wire and take over a public park and some things that we're going to talk about. So that became big Texas news. Then became big national news when Greg Abbott was ordered by the federal government to take down the razor wire that he'd put up. And he's defying the order from the federal government and the, um, the order from the Supreme Court. So uh, that became national news. Then it became national news again when a group of Christian nationalist truckers calling themselves the Army of God were going to go down in order to protect the border, in their words, from the invasion that's happening. So our group went down to support the local voices and to add our our voice to the national conversation. If, If Christians were going to go down to that border and tell us what's happening, we wanted to make sure we were there. And we did. And, uh, we didn't see what they were describing been to the border a lot of times it's nothing like an invasion it's talked about a lot in in my view uh they're slandering our country they're slandering the border communities they slander border patrol and they even slander uh, the immigrants who are seeking to come into this country, spreading all kinds of false lies about it. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to give you a quick recap today about what we experienced and what we saw. And then there'll be some longer form versions of this because there was so much video, so many interactions, and so much to talk <laughs> about. Uh, it's going to take weeks to get to, through it all and, you know, and, and edit it all together. Um, so... Uh, Dan and I were both there, so uh, we're going to be your two uh, your two witnesses, and we're going to show you some video of the experiences that, that we had there. Um, so uh, let's start, as always, just to make sure we tick off things. It's uh, f- going to be 58 degrees and raining in Minneapolis on February 7th. Oh, just wow. Just think yeah, 58. <laughs> well, it is beautiful and sunny here, so hopefully that uh, that rain stays away. But it's, yeah, it's like 40s, and uh, it's like a spring day here in Michigan. Yeah, just just wild. Springs uh, springs way ahead of time. And uh, hey, Jim and Yabits, we see you in the uh, in the the chat on on the YouTube channel. So thanks for being here today. All right, Dan. Boy, there was a lot. Now you and I uh, parted paths early Monday morning after getting into Eagle Pass on late late Thursday night. I guess technically early uh, Friday morning, two a.m. Mm-hmm. Spent the days Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday in Eagle Pass, and uh, it's adjoining uh, small community. What, what have you been thinking about since we parted ways a day and a half ago? Yeah, well, what a wild ride in all the ways. It was a, it was a long drive. We drove across the country to get there, uh, much like the trucker convoy. We traveled by highway, and uh, it was a long trip, and it was, I think, really well worth it to be there in person and to be able to bear witness to, A, what's going on at the border. We were able to see, you know, up close what the border situation looks like and uh it's not an invasion (laughs) there's a heavy military presence um but the the high numbers of people flowing into the country uh have really uh crawled to us almost a stop and some people say well that's because the razor wire is working other people say well they can just uh go to other ports of entry and uh, we also got to speak with uh, Eagle Pass residents who told us, you know, the history of the area and what, uh, you know, migrant flow has looked like, not just in the last couple of years, 
but through generations. We talked to a woman who's a ninth generation farmer in Eagle Pass area. And uh, before there was a border wall, people would just come and go uh, because yeah. these are communities that are closely tied. And then we, uh, you know, put up an imaginary boundary in between them and try to separate them. But people have flowed back and forth uh, across these lands and across the Rio Grande uh, for generations. And uh, it was good to hear that perspective as well. And so we got a lot of, a lot of information and we're going to try to distill it for all of you uh, and, and help you understand the situation there as well. Right. Look, immigration has been a complex issue in the United States for a very long time. There are um, many things that need to be solved in the legal question of how does someone enter the United States, under what conditions, and how long can they stay. Our immigration system overall is overly complex, it's arcane, and it's not serving anyone well. It needs a full and complete overhaul. Border issues are a part of immigration, but they're separate. How the border itself is managed is not strictly our immigration laws or how many visas they give out or how does someone apply for asylum. Those are the laws we have. How the border is managed is a separate set of issues. And what's often talked about is that we have a crisis at the border because there's so many people seeking to come in the country, and yet the laws that make it possible for someone to come into the country don't match the situation. And we, we've just lived through something because of COVID that's called Title 42. We won't get into too many details on it, but basically it was Title 42 is a federal statute that allows the federal government to suspend its immigration laws in light of a health concern in this case. So that was Title 42. So it had basically shut down all immigration coming into the country, especially for asylum seekers. That was going on for two and a half years from the Trump administration and the Biden administration tried to stop it and the, and the state of Texas sued and it got tied up in, in litigation. So it extended on for another year and a half. So there are tens of thousands of people who would be seeking asylum in the United States and couldn't come in for the last number of years. So it's a big backlog. So there's a lot of things going on at the border. How the border is managed is a federal question. The United States border, whether that's between Texas and Mexico, Arizona and Mexico, California, Mexico, Minnesota and Canada, Michigan and Canada, uh, uh, New York and Canada and anywhere. It's a federal issue, not a state issue. States don't run immigration. Right. The federal government does. That's another question that's at hand here. So there's a lot of mix of what's going on. What, what are states' obligations and states' uh, uh, privileges and what are things that the federal government has to do? So it is complicated. But it's also pretty clear, right? So let's not fool ourselves into thinking that this is so complex there aren't answers to questions and there aren't solutions. There are. And what's going on currently at our border is the Texas governor has chosen to accelerate a conflict with the federal government because he disagrees with how the Biden administration is dealing with border issues. So it's taking it into his own hands as the governor, which he has no rights to do. The only way he can do it is if there's a claim of a, of a war or an invasion. And he's tried to make this claim. The Supreme Court has denied the, the validity of that claim. But people still talk about it and the governor still talks about it. So over this weekend, 
Governor Abbott came down to this very small little town of Eagle Pass where he'd taken over a park and had a, um, a press conference there. And these faith groups, as we mentioned, came down and we, we were one of those. So we're going to show you a news, some news footage from Fox 4 News out of San Antonio. And uh, I think they capture it pretty well about what was going on at the uh, o- over the course of this weekend. And uh, um, you'll hear some, from some local people, and we're, we're part of this news coverage too, which is why we know it exists. And just All to right. clarify, I, the thing that Governor Abbott is doing is trying to prevent people from legally applying for asylum. He's put up this razor yeah. wire to prevent people from stepping onto U.S. soil where they then present themselves to Border Patrol and apply for asylum. So when people say, why don't they do it the right way? They're trying to do it the right way. The right way is to present yourself to U.S. Border Patrol on U.S. soil. And this is what Governor Abbott is trying to prevent. All right, so here's that, here's that news story. Border is attracting religious groups from out of state with competing agendas. Both groups are converging on Eagle Pass, the city where Governor Abbott closed off a park and put in razor wire to try to stop what he describes as an invasion in Texas. Fox Sports' Alex Boyer covering these developments. Alex. Hey guys, you know, both of these separate convoys consist of self-proclaimed Christians, but their views on how the situation is playing out at the border and what needs to be done to address it, of course, differs vastly. There is a likelihood that both groups could clash this weekend. A new political battle at the southern border is brewing. On Friday, members of the progressive Christian organization called Common Good arrived in Eagle Pass with a mission in mind. You know, what would Jesus do is that we come back to. We're right behind the county courthouse and we pulled up with our bus that says faith, hope and love supporting democracy for all. Pastor Doug Paget is the organization's executive director. He and his supporters have traveled from Minnesota to Eagle Pass to sway faith voters from extremism specifically calling out the self-proclaimed God's Army convoy, also making its way to the Rio Grande Valley from Virginia. And I'll tell you that as a Christian pastor, I want to say to my other Christian friends who are a part of that convoy, slander is something we should avoid. And they are slandering these people who are seeking to come into the country. And they're slandering the people who live in these border communities. Members of God's Convoy made a stop near Austin Thursday. Former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin, one of the star participants. The group held a take back the border rally. Enough is enough. We're not going to take it anymore. We're going to take our country back. Organizers claim they do not intend on confronting people trying to illegally cross over the southern border, but frame this as a religious mission. We're just going to be having a peaceful assembly, and ultimately it's going to be a prayer gathering. Pastor Paget says he and his supporters do intend on confronting the group. They're going to be 20-some miles away at a Christian camp where they're going to have their own meetings. Meanwhile, Governor Greg Abbott continues to amplify the other political debate between his office and the White House. At a Republican re-election event for State Representative Stephanie Click, Governor Abbott again called the border crisis an invasion, the term he uses to defend the state's use of barriers and restricted access between ports of entry. He called it the number one issue in America right now. And sending a message to the entire globe that the door is open on the open borders of America and for people from more than 150 countries have poured into our state. All-time record numbers, more than 8 million under the Biden administration. 
10 Eagle Pass residents who were at today's press conference say that they will be outside of Shelby Park all day tomorrow. And they invite anybody who wants to come talk to them uh, about what they say are the real issues facing them in that border community. Uh, all right. So um, that's just one of the many news stories on our website. You'll be able to find many of the other news news stories about what's going on. But I think that captures it captures it pretty well. What's going on? The local organizers there, as the reporter mentioned, we had um, events happening right there and in, in, in near Shelby Park. And, and I know this can be really complicated for people that haven't been there and seen these places. If I can just paint the picture for you. Eagle Pass is a small community, a small border town. Border towns are wonderful places. I just ran to somebody this morning and said, hey, I was down at the border. And, and he said, oh, how is it? Is it really wild? I said, no, it's not wild at all. <laughs> like it, it is. And it, none it of was, the border towns we've been to over the years have been wild. They've all been that's, beautiful little towns, safe. Every, every resident will say, it's safe here. Come visit. Hmm. It's not what they say on the news. It's true. It's true in all these places. Um, uh, everywhere, everywhere you go. Now, are there issues about thousands of people seeking immigration into the United States in these small border towns? Absolutely. It's a big issue. Something you have to talk about when you talk about this is the fact that migrants are not themselves, each individual person or family making a decision about where they want to go. We wish that was the case, but it's not. The truth of the matter is that cartels in Mexico determine what ports people will cross at. It's heartbreaking to know this, but if you're coming from Venezuela or Central America or Honduras or Honduras is in Central America or from uh, uh, Haiti, coming from any of these places, you're going to run into the cartels and they will tell you where you can cross. And they have their own system for doing this. That When they talk about human trafficking, this is what they're talking about. The cartels control this. So a few weeks ago, there were a lot of people crossing at Eagle Pass. Now they're crossing over in Yuma, Arizona. So they're moving these groups around as to where they're going to pass. Border Patrol has told us, people who work on the border have told us, that it's our policies in the United States that make it so difficult for people to seek immigration into the United States that empowers the cartels. If we want the cartels to not be in control of this, then we should make immigration more possible and more clear for more people. And that's the way you disempower the cartels. Right now, our policies, both in immigration law and in border practices, are empowering the cartels. There is, there is no question about this. Everyone agrees who knows anything about what's going on at the border, that that's, that that's how it's going. So if, and you're going to hear from lots of people about things they say, there's a lot of conversation about human trafficking, sex trafficking of children and drugs coming in the country. Our current system is empowering people who want to do that kind of behavior, the drug cartels that are doing that kind of behavior. So if we want to change it, that's how we're going to change it. And that's, that's going to be the requirement to do so. In the meantime, because there is no current plan to fix immigration law, even this bill that's now falling apart that was just negotiated by the Senate, that the House now has said that they're not going to... Um, yeah, the, the bipartisan bill that's, that's, immigration bill, dead on arrival according to the Speaker of the House because Trump doesn't like it. And even if that bill did pass, it doesn't solve these problems. Right. It doesn't say... Let's address how many migrants can come in. There's quota systems. There's a quota system that says only a certain percentage of 
any migrants can come from any particular country, which makes no sense because people from 150 countries don't want to come here in equal numbers. But we have a system that right now has made it so that if you are from Mexico or Guatemala or Honduras or somewhere, and you're seeking a work visa to work in the United States, it's a 25-year waiting list. Okay, that doesn't work. <laughs> it's not possible. The numbers we're allowing in for legal work immigration is teeny. And many of those people then can't go back to Mexico. They're afraid if they go back that the laws are going to change. So we have a, a a sliver of a door open for a teeny number of people to come in, and then they feel like they can't go back. There's a lot of solutions to this. We'll talk about other solutions down the road about what can go on. But in our interactions here, here's, here's where I think it would be important for people to know what's happening. This Trump-supporting brigade of Christian nationalists were riled up by internet uh, radio hosts, by Infowars, by um, Steve Bannon, by uh, Michael Flynn, by all these groups that were telling them that there's an invasion at the United States border, and if you're a good patriot, you need to go down and protect the United States from a criminal invasion. Then they got there, and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, there's no invasion. And then they think, the razor wire that covers about a mile <laughs> of length was the reason. Like yeah. an invasion was turned back by razor wire. So it's, it's, it's madness to, to think that that's the solution or that, that that was the response. They came down and found out that, okay, there, there's not an invasion as they had thought about it. But they still have these talking points. And we're going to get into some of that in the interviews that, that we did with people. But even more importantly than the specifics of the topic want to talk about why it's important to engage. And look, our primary work at Vote Common Good is we want to engage. We want to confront topics and we want to confront ideas that we think are harmful because we believe that's our best way forward. We don't take the posture of fight to take our country back. We take the posture of let's engage with people to see if we can be changed and if they can be changed. Because the only way we're going to move forward is if that which has become divided in this nation could find some way to come together. Now, look, we're not Pollyanna, Pollyanna about this. We don't think just go and have a smiley, friendly conversation with people is going to solve the problem. But it's going to be part of the solution for mm -hmm. sure. We're going to have to talk to people because, Dan, as you and I talked about driving, we're not only talking about strangers that we're meeting down at the border who differ with us on border practices and, and our way forward. We're talking about our own family members, mm -hmm. people that we actually love and care about. And we have to figure out how to talk about these issues. So we're going to show you some interactions here today about the kinds of uh, things that, that, that can happen when you, when you choose to engage and when you get over the hump of the initial response of um, people not trusting each other. And so th these kinds of conflicts, as the news story said, uh, set up this one side versus the other. And we do everything we can to try to make one side versus the other to be two groups of people who are talking about the same issues. And it's really hard to do sometimes because <laughs> there's an <laughs> awful lot of time where people want to talk about um, just heroes, villains, and victims. And I know it's easy for people to live in a world where there's just heroes and you're likely on the hero side where there's villains, and that's likely people who disagree with you, and then some people who are being harmed by the fact that the villains are doing what they're doing. And we can go through our lives very easily just deciding heroes, villains, and victims over and over. It doesn't capture the reality of, of any situation, however. And we're much better thinking about 
human beings on a shared journey forward in our lives and how can we live with one another when we have differences when some of us do wrong and some of us do right and people are harmed and people are helped by those things but none of us are always in the right and none of us are always in the wrong so i'm not trying to say good people on both sides ism and that kind of thing that's not what this is about this is about reframing the any engagement that we have saying to people we are in this thing together we are journeying together with difference and sometimes what you're doing is more harmful than than good and sometimes i'm missing information and sometimes you're missing knowledge but we have to find a way forward because that's actually what we're experiencing is a shared planet a shared life sometimes shared family sometimes shared children and grandchildren and we have to find a way to converse with one another and to find a way forward so that's what we're going to try to show you a couple of a uh, couple examples of yeah to set the scene we rolled into town uh we found out where the god's army truck convoy was headed and uh we decided to head there to engage and uh this is again an example of what we were just talking about People, uh, when they saw our bus and saw the phrase confronting Christian nationalism, uh, got immediately upset with us <laughs> and uh, got a little aggressive. They wouldn't let us in. Uh, but by the end of the night, we were having great conversations with these very same people. So it is possible, and uh, we'll show you that right now. In addition to National Guard troops, a convoy of civilian protesters has been making its way to the southern border. A series of rallies expected to happen on Saturday. Now, this group refers to itself as God's the Army. Convoy have called themselves God's Army and are calling on active God's Army is headed straight to the border to protest. They are demanding the more action to stop migrants from entering the U.S. We're Christian pastors. We're not here for confrontations of any kind. No, we're Christian pastors. Oh, are we're you Christian nationalists? Are you Christian nationalists? No, I'm just asking if you're Christian nationalists, because we're only confronting Christian nationalists. So you're not one, though? No. So we're not confronting you? It doesn't matter. It's just kind of thing. We look it up. We don't want to see it. This is the stuff that gets us negative press. That makes us all look like young. No thing. Oh, really? Hi there. Christian pastors tell us we can't come in. What do you think that's about? Thanks. We'll be right back. Thank you very much. If you're truly coming to this country to enrich this country, yeah. not use the country, yeah. I'm all for you coming. Yeah, me too. That's, right. That's all right. for it, right? But it's not what happens, right? Mm. It's not what happens. Everybody that comes across the border is not coming to seek asylum. They're coming to, to, to take advantage of this country. Why do you know that? What, what's been your experience that tells you that's true? But a lot I, of people's I see a lives. lot of people huh? is okay. what I'm getting at. Okay. Right. New York City by illegal immigrants. Uh, they get Oh, hang on. I want to talk to you in a second. Let us, let us finish do. this one. Yeah, oh, let, be let nice us, now. Yeah, let, 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 us, let, us, let us let I'm, let I'm speak. Super nice. We can go tell them I'm nice. Yeah, see, that's, again, that's wrong. That's wrong. He will not see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. Quick question, because I think I, I think it was you, but I heard a lot of different voices. I think the message I was hearing there was, in order for America to be great, mm -hmm. people need to convert, to repent, Christ. to Christ. That's right. So a Christian nation is the only way this nation can be great. 
That's right. Every other nation in the world that's ever existed that existed apart from God has collapsed and fallen into the dustbin of history. And so, unless this is a Christian nation... We're going down the tubes. We're going down the tubes. That's right. When we say, groups like ours say, Christian nationalism, we mean that. That's right. We don't mean like Nazism or something like that. You have to be a Christian or or you're going to prison or whatever or put you in a camp. We don't mean that. So you're a Christian nationalist. Well, I guess you could say that, yeah. They're going to be removed from the property because... While they are on public grounds, yeah. we have a permit for 3,000 feet that direction, 3,000 feet that direction. We're going to trespass them and get them out of here. That's not the kind of people we want around here either. They can go. That's the kind of rhetoric we don't want. I have yeah. gay friends that are good people. I have Muslims that are good people that are my friends. Yeah. And they're not going to sit around here with that kind of crap. Do you have any uh, non-authorized people in the country that are your good friends? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. Most of them have been here a very, very long time. Fair enough. And, 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 you know, so you're just old school. You're just old school non-legals. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not new gen. Not, not at all. Actually, I believe that, that most of the illegals that are coming across the border are trying to find sanctuary. It's the illegal criminals that are accompanying yeah. them, and then they leave them and abandon them. Yeah, for sure. And then they, this ranch has to take care of them. Yeah, for sure. And, and and those are the people that I believe need help, not the ones, the males that are coming across. So it's hard to sure. say, allow it, don't allow it. It's a very tricky situation. Yeah, we should figure it out, shouldn't we? Appreciate you, Mike. As soon as they came up, I wanted to find you to go, that's them. That's what that's <laughs> then, then I so, understood. So, just, just so you know. 100%. That's real? I was reacting on security basis. I'm not blaming you for anything, but not even until you change your mind. I just want you to know. That's the thing we're talking about? Yeah, we don't like that either. They stand out from the Comic-Con yelling at people all the time. It's ridiculous. And my wife works at Comic-Con. She's like, I mean, and I go to these events, and these guys are standing there. They're literally trying to get somebody to hit them so they sue on them. It's a nightmare. So just so you know... We're not agitators. We're trying to stop that. I'm a Christian pastor trying to stop that nonsense. That is nonsense. That's, That's what we're hateful. doing. God's love is eternal. It doesn't end and stop with every single little word in the Bible that might put hatred on homosexuals or Muslims or good good. Mike, be careful. You're going to get on this bus with us and you're going to come with us to Arizona tomorrow. You can't get me on there. Watch out, buddy. My, my, my thing also comes with I don't want the militia anywhere around me. But, Mike, thank you, buddy.
All right. I, I had not had a chance to see that yet, Dan. That's, uh, that leaves a smirk on my face. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so much going on there that I'm sure for people who couldn't, uh, didn't know all the context, there's some nuances in there that would really liven this up for them. That, that person, Mike, that we were talking to there that said, I have friends like this, that was the same security guard that came up screaming at us and telling us to get out of here. Uh, you heard the voice of a person, a woman yelling, uh, we don't want you here. Uh, by, uh, by Sunday afternoon, um, we were at the same restaurant and, uh, chatting it up with her. And, uh, she said, I really like what you guys are up to really appreciate it. <laughs> so, um, th- this is the thing, right? That the initial response for so many people is that there's that, that, that you're the problem, right? Either that, that they see us as a problem or mm-hmm. people that might agree with see them as the problem. And so often people think this, there's no reason to even engage. Right. It doesn't. I don't know, Dan, what, what was your experience over the course of our days there? Uh, this, this argument of it's, it's worth it or not worth it to even try to engage. Yeah. I think there's more common ground than, uh, than folks would initially think, even with, you know, groups like ours, we we rolled in with a bus that said confronting Christian nationalism and that put people on the defensive for some reason, even though they would say they're not Christian nationalists, except for the one guy who was like, yeah, I guess, guess I am a Christian nationalist. Um, but I think people get so stuck in their two sides ism that they, uh, they don't realize that there's, there's middle ground. Even if you disagree on some major things like what to do with the border, um, yeah. you know, like with Mike, we agreed that, hey, things should work better than this. We should figure this out together. And, uh, you know, you, you get past the, the sound bites and the talking points and you realize that these are people that care about their community. They really think that they're doing something good by showing up here and, uh, you know, defending what they see as, you know, their country or their whatever. And, uh, you know, they do view themselves as the heroes of this story. Uh, and I think if you can just poke that balloon with a pin and help them realize that, uh, you know, we're not out here to, <laughs> to try to villainize them, but we're here to humanize both sides of this, find some common ground, and, uh, you know, not end up on different sides of the issue at the end of the day, but be able to have a conversation that isn't just, you know, regurgitating sound bites that we heard on the news. You know, when when I'm in these situations and I look at someone like Mike, who we interacted with a lot that day, or another Mike that we're going to show you a video here, an interaction in a a moment, or many of the other people that we talked to, I, I, I like to think, if I only heard the things that they choose to hear, or if I only had the friends that they have or took in the information they take in. A little caveat here, people have the choice to hear many things more than what they hear, right? All of us could be listening to other other ideas, other voices, other authorities. But if I only heard what they hear, mm-hmm. would I think more the way I think or would I think the more more the way they think? That's a fundamental question for engagement, right? Is the person reasonable at all? Or is the person simply 
you know, yeah, personal walls up or, or, or shutting you out and telling you, you can't listen. Okay. There's, there's no chance for engagement there, but if you can get around that, or if that doesn't exist and you say to someone like, well, what do you know? What's been your experience that leads you to the conclusions that you hold? And, and some of you know, our, our work, it, it asks the questions, you know, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? And what does that belief do for you? And I, I'm a firm believer that the third question, what does your belief do for you, is the most powerful part of all of this. It's the thing that really is operative for most people. And many of these people see their political side telling them a certain thing about migration. Because a lot of the people I've talked to, even down there, I said, 10 years ago, did you think this? And they said, no, I didn't. But things weren't as bad as they were then. I think the difference is Donald Trump came on the scene and said those people coming in our country are terrorists and are rapists and are bad people. And if you're going to be a part of my movement, you have to think of them that way. That's what I truly believe has gone on. So a whole lot of people who didn't used to think that they needed to be afraid of people coming in this country have become afraid of people coming in this country because they've been told by their political leader that that's the opinion they have to hold. Now, that's, that's a bias that I come with. And anytime I can engage with someone, I think, what if that's a very, on this, when I engage people on this topic, what if that way of thinking is a very fragile understanding and they actually don't want to think about the world that way? What if they want to be let free from the things that they're actually thinking? And that's what happened with Mike or the two guys sitting on the back of that truck. Like it was a real engagement that we had over a number of hours, like keeping, keep coming back. And I'd even forgotten, Dan, that we were out there in the rain until I saw <laughs> yeah. the people out there all wet. Like uh, just on the side of the road waiting for the rest of the convoy to show up. And we're interacting with these people who are there to support it. And, um, and, and, and we're part of it. Yeah. It, it. It's amazing. And one of the more interesting things that happened, you might have caught a little bit of this in the video, is uh, in addition to us showing up, there was this extreme right uh group of protesters that came with just horrible racist signs, uh, homophobic signs, chanting with bullhorns and against the convoy. And so it almost took uh, someone even more extreme to, to let them uh, soften their hearts to us, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Because Mike, like you heard say yeah. like, we don't like that for sure. And we're like, well, we don't like that. Like that, <laughs> like that's, that's, right. that's, that's no one, no one here wants that. And so that was a little bit of uh, a common ground we found with that. Yeah. And we didn't show in, in the video here, but another conversation I had with Mike, I said, Hey, the people that are coming in the convoy, that'll be here. The, it turned out to be about 250 people as a part of this whole thing. By the way, nothing like what the organizers had suggested. 40,000 trucks. I think uh, our, you know, we saw was four big diesel trucks and a bunch of RVs and some cars. So yeah, a couple hundred people. cars, right? a handful of trucks, yeah. And I said to him, how many, uh, how many of the people you think that are going to come to this in this convoy thing are closer to the way those street preachers are versus closer to where you are? He's like, oh, I'm sure there's none of those people that are like these guys. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who are like those guys. Like that's, uh, that, that's the difference. And he didn't want to let them in as a part of the, that, that group, but they were clearly going to let them in once they swung the gates, once they swung the gates open. And um, we right. met a lot of people with that extreme view once we were down in Eagle Pass, uh, in, in front of the, the border gates. Uh, and we'll show a little video here in a moment, but these are people that came because the convoy was coming, 
They came because they were, quote, called to come here uh, to defend the border. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, along with good-hearted folks that we met at the outside the rally, there were some very extreme people that came with the, with the convoy, including armed militia. And the police yeah. even told us there was KKK, there was armed militia. And in fact, yeah. we had a hot dog cookout scheduled with local pastors. Police told us we could not hold that event because they could not guarantee our safety from the militias and the KKK. And and that is a crucial fact of what was going on that weekend. When the people in this town were scared, the police said, look, we've never had this level of threat in Eagle Pass. Now, these are the, the police who work in the town with Border Patrol, where the town has never been threatened by migration, but it is threatened by these people that came down to agitate, specifically the InfoWars people. Someone was taken into custody. They had weapons out, and it put a real fear into that town. Now, not everybody thought they were coming as a militia, but the programming of this convoy was all about it being a militia. That's what it said they were going to do. They were going to confront the immigration coming in at the border as God's army. And within days of the public release of all this information, they were trying to backpedal. What it ultimately ended up being was a charismatic prayer service, um, you know, rallying people around general cause of Christian spirituality being the best thing for America. Which, by the way, like there's a continuum of Christian nationalism. There's people who think, hey, if people were more spiritual, we'd be more kind, we'd be better, let's you know, make spirituality more common in America. There's some people that are like, look, religion is the problem. Let's keep it out of America. There's those debates. There are people like the guy we talked to who said the only way America will be great is if we all convert to Christianity, but we don't actually want to put you in prison. But there's other people who say we actually do want to lock up people who commit crimes against the laws of God. Like there's a lot of versions of all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we should always be careful not to, not to attribute to anyone beliefs that they don't want to attribute to themselves. People you might disagree with, they probably believe plenty of things for you to, uh, to to interact with. You don't have to attribute something else to them. There's there's often plenty there. But I do want to encourage us to say, let's not think about people who oppose our ideas, even if their ideas are harmful, as simply the enemies. In the Christian tradition, the Jesus story is told where he has 12 chosen disciples that after his death take on the moniker of, an, of apostles, 11 of the 12 do, because one of them committed suicide because he was a betrayer of Jesus. So in the story of Jesus, you have 12 chosen disciples. One is a betrayer who commits suicide. One is a denier in, in, um, in Peter who says, I didn't even know the guy. And one of them is a doubter named Thomas. So what I think the Christian tradition wants to tell from its very beginning of the Gospels is the group of people close to Jesus are all kinds of people, betrayers, deniers, doubters, all kinds. So let's not think that what we need to do is clean and purify the group who's around our Jesus following, because if we do that, then we're not actually doing what Jesus was doing right? You have Peter who pulls out a sword and swings it at a, at a guard in the gospel tales and wants to, and chops off a man's ear, violent level of combat. And Jesus is like, put the sword away, but he doesn't sort them ahead of time. 
right? So, so look, our Christian tradition is more complicated, involves more people than we want to include. And if you're someone, you know, holds views like I hold, uh, everyone's in the love of God. And we're not talking about outsiders and insiders. We're talking about all of us. So that's the, that's the situation we, we find ourselves in. And there are a lot of people who want to divide. Um, th- this particular passage that I hadn't ever used before around this topic, but really struck me at this uh, when we were down in Eagle Pass, is that saying of Jesus, what God has brought together may no one ever separate. Like that's often said at weddings, but it's not really a wedding statement at all. It's, it's this thing that, that doesn't want someone to take that which shouldn't be divided and try to divide it. Well, our country is that way. Our border is that way. Humanity is that way. And when people's primary purpose is to divide, to put up boundaries, to put up razor wire, I think the Christian teaching and what Jesus is up to is connect those pieces back together, put it back together, and and don't play into the separation game. I know politically that's what you want to do. And look, I know on election day in November, people are going to have a choice, vote for this one or that one. And I want to say to everybody of good conscience and good faith, do not vote for Donald Trump. Please just don't do it. Take, you know, if if, if you're looking for advice, take this advice, don't vote for him. <laughs> But I don't think that's about dividing us. You can differ on who you vote for without feeling divided. It's not the only way to to think about it. All right, Dan, are we, are we, do you have more to say before we roll this video of uh, this next one of of Mike, uh, the the other Mike yeah, that we ran just into? Just a whole bunch of Mikes down there, and I think uh, you know we ran into some Mikes that we weren't going to convince. Uh, of even the other side's humanity, but I think the dialogue is still beneficial for the onlookers. And so there's people in this crowd that you'll see that uh, I think saw a different way of engaging and people in the videos we post after all this, hopefully we'll see a different way of engaging even with someone who really doesn't like what you're up to. as you'll see uh, yeah. in this next yeah. video. So, so we'll this Dan and I described that we were, um, when Governor Abbott was having his press conference surrounded by Border Patrol, uh, because the police had cordoned off that area two blocks away, we were up at, up, up at the top of Main Street in this great little town of Eagle Pass. And there were a bunch of pro-convoy and pro-Trump supporters there on one side, and then people from the town uh, on the other. Now, the trucker convoy side didn't have anyone from the town standing with them. There were people from the town who supported the trucker convoy. There are people who support Greg Abbott who live in Eagle Pass. For sure there are. Not the majority in my, in my experience. Not anywhere close to it. But all the people who were standing together on the one side of the road and the convoy supporting with Trump flags and all, those were not people from the town. Then the other side was mostly people from the town and us and a couple of others, people that had come from Laredo and other border towns. And so there was this back and forth across the street. And so there was chanting and yelling and that kind of thing, you know, go, going on. And we were making our way, Dan and I, back and forth across the street sometimes. But we were very clearly identifying ourselves with the townspeople and with those who were um, wanting immigration uh, procedures to be different. So this is a video that I made when I just had my, my phone and, and, and microphone and walked across the street and started to engage some people because well, there, there were actually two things happening. One of those was that these people were yelling over the top of people from the town side who were trying to make important statements and they were being disruptive by chanting. So when they would do that, I would cross the street and start to talk to them because then it would stop them from shouting. 
right? It was sort of an old, old trick of how, how you quiet a crowd in a, in a protest, such a situation. But then I got into these conversations and this one's a little long, but I think it's worth it because what you're going to see is a whole bit of conversation with me and a person named Mike, where Mike believes things are happening at the border and he has seen many things. And he says this, he describes what he's seen. And he says, and this is why they're doing the things that I've seen them do on videos. And I try to suggest, could there be an other way to do it? And over the course of this time, I know you'll, I guess you'll kind of see what happens. And the start of the video, when I go over, I interact with one guy who's yelling at the start of this, and it starts pretty abruptly. So let's give you a little context. He is saying, here's why those people across the street pointing at the townspeople, they always want to say they, they, they don't know what Trump supporters believe. And it's because. There And what I think he's trying to say is because they're over there and they're not asking us and they're not listening to us because, you know, they're, they're on that other side. So I walk up to him and say, hey, what are you saying? And then his response is telling me to go, you know, expletive myself. Um, so I, I hope this doesn't get us blue on the uh, on video. <laughs> yeah, if you but have kids people. in the room, uh, earmuffs, kids, for uh, this next segment. Yeah. By the way, we're sworn at a lot by... Uh, <laughs> by, by yeah. Trump supporting people and, and even Christian Trump supporting people. All right, so here we go. So this first guy I walk up to, you'll, you'll hear him say that, and then uh, off we go. So here we go. The MSBC, they're always asking why they can't talk to Trump supporters. Well, the reason is why, because they don't know anything. Fuck, fuck Trump. Mike, tell me what you're, what you're saying. What, no? Who, who the fuck are you? Well, that's what I've been asking myself every morning when I wake up. Well, no, I mean, who are you? Well, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, are you with them? Well, then get out of here. Oh, you don't want to talk with us? Okay. No, because you don't know. Just go. Okay. Okay. So he's not our guy. Just want to see if you'd be willing to share with me what you're thinking. Hey, don't talk. Uh, I'm with. I'm with those guys. Are you? Yeah, hey. I, I, I'd like to know what you're thinking. Yeah, we'd we'll love to. Love to hey, chat. My you, name's Doug. I heard, I heard these people. This guy. Get him the fuck out. How come? I heard him say. How come? Right. If you're with them, you get the fuck out of here. Why is that? Because you're a dick. That's all right. Let him talk to us. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, my name's Doug. I, I heard him say that uh, they don't love America. That Earlier, doesn't... when they were standing down here on the corner, they were screaming, "Oh, they don't love America." Oh, they were saying that they don't. Love yeah, America. they they hate America. Basically, uh, there may have been a misunderstanding. So what do you say? It's our border. What do you mean by our they border? Li- they live our here. border. They live here. Is what they I have I've spent the last three days talking to residents, lifelong uh-huh. residents here, that say there is a crisis at the border. Sure. Okay. Hold on. So, so they disagree with that. I mean, disagree enough, right? with it wholeheartedly. Yeah. But so do the residents here disagree with the residents here? Some of them, yeah. No, not some of them. Everyone we spoke to for the last three well, days. We didn't, didn't speak to them. So obviously, how do we speak know they're residents? Well, I can, uh, why are they I, covering their face if they're residents that want to be heard? I can, I can promise you. Why do they have to put masks on their face? I can promise you that they're residents. I mean, I've been here uh, with them. They're real residents. So you don't think the fact that they're saying people are drowning in the river rather than walk across the bridge is a problem? Why are they coming across the river and climbing barbed wire when there's two bridges you can safely walk across? Why do you think Is they that are? because they're coming in illegally? Yeah, tell me. Why do you think it is? I think it is because they don't want to say who they are and they're not supposed to be coming in here would you be open because they were sent here would you be open to another reason voice your opinion we're in america aren't we supposed to yeah for we're sure supposed to throw opinions back and forth right that's what i'm saying my yeah, man. that's what i'm saying i don't agree with you and i fist bump you because i agree with that agree statement, with that statement yeah. but i don't agree with it because i think we're buddy buddy and i agree with what you're saying no, i think you're extremely wrong about that you don't even know what i'm saying yet but you can start no with no no i'm wrong. just talking about what they're saying now let's me and you have our own little personal i'm mike mike 
Mike, you have great What's teeth. What's your name? Doug. Doug. Mike, you have great teeth. They're fake. Uh, Let's, I, they're bought and paid for. Okay. Let's have our own little Mike-Doug debate here. Tell me what you're thinking, Doug. Here's what I know, and I've spent a lot of time on that side of the border and a lot of time on this side of the border. So here's okay. what I know, and I've talked to a lot of people trying to come in the country. Right. There are asylum seekers who are seeking asylum in the United States. The border crossing is not available to them because the governor of Texas has chosen to not let them come. It's their legal right in the United States. So let me finish. No, 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 no. I'm just taking the questions I want to respond with. It's their legal, I am listening. It's their, it's their legal right to seek asylum, but they can only do it on U.S. soil. That's Those are the laws. So if they can get on U.S. soil, they can seek asylum. But the governor won't let them cross at the crossing point. Okay, they closed it. So if these people cross the river and say to a border patrol, take me into custody, I'm seeking asylum, they're doing everything they can to follow the law. Well, let me respond before you get okay. too far ahead. That's it. Go ahead. But you're saying they closed the crossing point, but I spent the last three days watching people go back and forth all day long. But are they, we stood here. Are they asylum seekers? Why, why, why constitute an asylum seeker? When, when you Haven't have... that same border crossings always been here? Haven't people yeah. been seeking asylum here as long as this country has existed? Well, yes. So long, you're telling me that only since Abbott came into office, have they not alleged? Is that what you're telling me? Sometimes. You're saying Abbott came in office and said, no, 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 we're not letting anybody else in our country. No, what, they, what they're doing is... Why would that be based on... And an asylum seeker still has to abide by our constitution. Of course. So they don't have a legal right. We have the legal right to protect our border. They want to come over here and become an American the proper way. They then have a legal okay. right to say something about our border. But I don't have a legal right to go into Mexico anymore than they have a legal right to walk into what, my country. What? Just try this on. Just just do a thought. Go ahead. Just, I can still hear you. Yeah, but them, I want to record they this. Need to speak By the way, can I share this with other people? If you're Help yourself. What we say? Okay. Uh, I should be doing the same, as a matter of fact. Oh, man. That's okay. I, I don't have an official media site. But, no, but let, let's do a, I yeah. aim at you, you aim at me. We're not going to fight about anything. Oh, no, no. I, trust me, if you decided you wanted to, I'm just going to turn and walk away. I'm not here to argue. Have I given you any impression that I'm trying no, no, to No, no, no. So I'm telling you, okay. not, you know that you. I'm yeah. not going to. Yeah. That guy over there. We're emotional, and we're feeling, that's why we yeah, all I want to ask you. I want to ask you about all that, too. Okay, right, so... Would you be open to another suggestion here about what's going on? Sure, but, but what we said so far, just for whatever my video is going to be worth this, I'm, you're, you're saying they have a legal right to come on across as an asylum seeker. I'm saying there is no preset legal right on their behalf. They have to come here. They have to prove they need her to be here. And then we have to say, we understand, okay, come on across. Yeah. But as I have been told and as we have seen through video for the last three years, all they got to do is come up and they've caught child rapists. They've caught human traffickers. Yes, they have because we've, uh, we've seen the evidence. I understand that you can say no, but I'm telling you the evidence we've seen over years. Not I heard a couple of stories. We've looked into it. When we're done, you explain. All these people had to do was walk up and say, I'm afraid and I'm gonna let you in. Mike, they do not have a preset Mike, legal let me right. ask, let me They're ask not Americans. Let yet. me ask you this fundamental question. Go for it. Why do you think those people are crossing in a place where border patrol is waiting for them? Because why, they're being sent to that place. Why are they turning themselves why into do they have, uh, Why do no, they have these big camps that they go through? Just, okay. They're being turned away I, I would love because to... there's a way to come in this no, country, and that on. is not the way. Hang on, hang on. Well, you asked why do I think. That's why I yeah, think. But, but, but let me finish the question. Okay, go. Why do you think, if they're trying to get in the country illegally, 
Why are they crossing at a place where Border Patrol is waiting for them and they're putting themselves right into the hands of Border Patrol? Why are they doing that? Just, just if they're no, there, there's some Border Patrol here, but with the budget cuts, is nowhere near enough. No, the videos, and this isn't the only spot. This okay, is just one of I'm at the videos you've seen of people coming across Eagle Pass. They're doing it right into the hands of Border Patrol, right? Right. Yeah. They. So why why are they doing that? I understand, but I can finish and talk about that. We have seen patriots like Michael Yawn interviewing on sources like Bandot Video and Infowars, where he has spent years in the jungle. They've documented these sites where they come to. We've seen the sizes of these camps increase. They direct them on to where they're going. Yeah. They actually come to the border going, I'm going to Massachusetts. Look, I'm going to California. Yeah. If they're an asylum seeker in danger, how do they even know the name of the state? All they should know is, please, America, take me. No. I'm in danger. Oh, okay. How do they know the name? And how do they already have telephones? Mike, I wish that were true. How do they have shirt? And I know it's true because we've been watching the videos for yeah. years. Mike, listen, I wish it were true what you're saying to me. It is true. That we've been watching the video let, for let, years. Let me finish my statement. <laughs> I wish it was true what you're saying to me, that all they have to do is say, let me in. But no, they, they have to listen, say I'm Mike, afraid. Let me, Mike, let me but finish. But I want to make sure you're quoting me Mike, let me finish. They have to say if I'm all, afraid. I know, but let me finish. If all they have to say is let me in because I'm seeking asylum, because I have a credible claim, if that's what they're saying, I wish it was true that that's all they had to say. But here's the truth. I, and Mike, I work with no, I, I worked with, with asylum seekers. Okay. That is not all they can that that they're required to say. Okay. They also have to say, where would you go? Who will take you in? Right. They have to give that information, Mike. So the reason they know they're going to Massachusetts, the reason they have a name is because those are the rules. Okay. Those are now, the laws, Mike. My turn. My turn to respond. Thank I guess you. it brings a couple questions up for me. Okay. Who are they? Where Where are they coming from exactly? Here's what they have to also No, prove. where are they coming Listen, from? Listen, Mike, when they come to seek asylum, here's what they have to say. Who? From where? Let me finish. They have to say, this is where I'm from. Here's my document. Yeah, Long pause. That microphone is probably sounding really loud. This is probably sounds really yeah. loud. Here's my documentation of my credible claim seeking asylum, where I'm going, whose hands. But what docu- Mike, what Mike, documentation? Please, Mike, to clarify. Mike, just let me finish. But what me, would the documentation be? Mike, let me go through all of it okay, and we can ask a question. Here's what they have to say. Where I'm going, I'm seeking I'm seeking asylum as a credible as a credible a need. Where am I going? Who is custody will I be in? And where am I from? And these are my legal documents from my country of origin. All of that, Mike, is what they have to have. If they don't have it, when Border Patrol sees them when they cross, whether it's at the checkpoint when it's open or at the river when it's closed, they will turn them around. So these people, you can come with me, Mike. You come with me sometime. We'll go over there. Yeah, I, I actually... I, I would I, love to do... I know we just met. We'll talk about that when we turn I, each other up. I'm yeah. going to be around for a couple more days. But I would love to do that with you. So I would I. I would people. really love... Honestly, okay. I want to see all perspectives. I hear you. I'm not here to argue. I'm just no, here to... I, I mean, look, and I'm glad that I, I bumped into you. I, I, I draw... All right. <clears throat> so I, I, I just think that interaction with Mike is so indicative. Right? I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot of sound. If you got headphones on, you're listening on your phone, or your computer. a lot of sound. But think about this from Mike's perspective for a minute. For years, he's been watching videos of some journalist going into the camps in 
in Mexico where asylum seekers are. And they're like, why are these people all in camps? He doesn't recognize. We talk about it later. I'll post the whole video. and You can watch the whole thing. He doesn't know that they're being sorted by the cartels. He didn't know that. And he didn't know that to come to the U.S. border and seek asylum, that there's a procedure that you have to have in place to do it. You have to be able to say to people, here's where I'm going. I've been the name that some migrants have put down, some asylum seekers have put down on their application to say, I will go to Minnesota and Doug Padgett will be my sponsor. That is something they have to have. Mike didn't know that. Mike didn't know what else could be going on the other side. So he had one story in his head that people had filled with a whole lot of, here's why they're doing this. Because there's some shadowy organization in the background. We, we, in the, we go, go on in the conversation and I'm saying like, there's groups that help people coordinate this. And he's like, well, what kinds of groups? And I'm like, well, they're refugee aid groups, like nonprofits <laughs> and He's like, well, how do we know those people aren't in with with terrorist groups and all this, right? Like Lutheran Social Services or other groups like that. <laughs> so, from Mike's perspective, he just didn't. He, he, all the all the the video that he's seen has had an explainer come with it, and the explainer was, "This is how they're smuggling in terrorists and child pedophiles." Mm-hmm. Not this is what's required for asylum seekers to come in the country. But you kind of had three people we interacted with, right? The one guy that's like, hey, they don't listen to Trump supporters. And he says, get out of here. And you're, you're with them. You're not with us. Just get out of here. And then Mike that's like, hey, I want to listen. And the other guy that's like, well, I kind of want to hear what you have to say. And then he just sort of wandered off. And it's sort of like three groups of people that I think are pretty representative of what we run into. I don't know that they proportion out as one third, one third, one third. Um, but there are people who, like Mike, who just really are hungry for the data and the information. And, you know, a stranger walking up to him and talking to him on the street is is not the greatest credible source, right? Like, no reason he should believe me. <laughs> I wouldn't believe me if, if I disagreed <laughs> with the things I was hearing. But Mike was open to it and really did. When we got done, he's like, I really do want to go over to the other side and I want to go into those refugee camps and find out if I've been wrong about all this all along. So I just want to encourage us that some people are really open to knowing and learning and understanding. And and it's hard to know who and when and in what situation. You know, if things had gotten more hostile, Mike might not have been open to listening to anything about anything. You know, if the, if people started, I don't know, yelling louder or throwing things at each other or something if it become hostile, which it didn't, um, you know, that that could also change the, change the circumstance. Yeah. And I think in real time, you can see bits of information breaking through. You know, when you said... Why are they crossing in a place where Border Patrol is waiting? That other side, you know, framework narrative doesn't have an answer for that because the whole narrative is they're coming illegally. And then you say, well, they're doing a really bad job if they're crossing right into the arms of Border Patrol. Why would they do that? Well, the real answer is because that's what they want to do. They want to present themselves to Border Patrol and apply for asylum. And so it breaks this whole, why don't they do it the legal way? I had some guy just shouting in my face, don't break the law, don't break the law. And I'd try to explain, like, they're applying for asylum. It's not the law, it's not the Constitution. I was like, yeah. why are they doing it this way then? Explain it to me. Yeah, yeah. sometimes little bits and of information you get through. counterintuitive to people, right? They're thinking like, well, why don't they cross at the border crossing? 
when you walk up to border crossings, you're often screened out by a, a passport. So Mike, or driver's license, if Mike had a passport, he can come in. If you don't, they turn you back around. Asylum seekers don't have a passport. They have their documents from their own country that they've, by the way, had to keep very precious through these long, treacherous travels. Yeah. But when they get to the border, they're turned around. We're not, we're not processing any refugees mm-hmm. uh, uh, status claims, right? So they're turned around. And then when they cross the river, there's no one stopping them until they get on U.S. soil, and you have to be on U.S. soil to make a claim for asylum. Yeah. That's why they're pre-screening people before they cross the bridge and get to the checkpoint. Now, they're not supposed to do that, right? but it's they're doing it. actually a violation supposed- of international law. And as one man told me when I said that's a violation of international law, he said, in the United States, we don't recognize international, international <laughs> law, which is true. So, so there's a problem, right? That, that, right. That's, that's in, we that, don't play by the, the rules that the rest of the world plays by. Yeah. So look, um, if, if these were just little one-offs and we were like, hey, we happen to run into a few people up at the trucker convoy or we happen to run into a couple of people um, at this um, at this border uh, protest, we wouldn't be sharing this as if it's somehow helpful, but it's not just these people. It, when you engage, and and I'm not suggesting everyone engage with strangers like this. It's not safe for everyone to do it. It's not everyone's calling to do it. There's certain people who, who can do it. Um, And we're comfortable doing this kind of work, talking to proud boys in bars or talking to people on streets or being yelled at by people before we actually have a chance to engage that's that's fine that's that's good for our work we're we're glad to do it um but just know people who you might even think or see on the news or saying something they probably believe what they believe for reasons that make sense to them mm-hmm. and if you can provide some alternatives for some people in some places some of the time something can happen so i, I want to encourage you all to 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 stay the course on this stuff. And uh, we're going to keep going back to the border. If you're thinking, man, I would love to have been there. Uh, we're going to go back to Eagle Pass, actually, this spring in April. We're going to go to um, the border of Mexico and Arizona in March, March 12th through the 15th. So if you're interested in that, get on our email list on, at Vote Common Good or pay attention to the Vote Common Good website in the next uh, 48 hours. Details about that and how you can sign up to be part of those. What well, One of the visits to Eagle Pass is going to correspond with uh, the watching of the eclipse, which comes through this very part. Eagle Pass, Texas is the center of the eclipse path on April 8th. Um, and uh, in fact, I looked today and all the hotels in this little town are sold out. It's uh, going to be a hop in town with lots of people in town watching the eclipse. Yeah, the we're first do an place event. in the U.S. where you can see the eclipse. And normally they would have an event like this in their park, in Shelby Park, but it's occupied by the Texas National Guard now. Because Greg Abbott chose to close it down. <laughs> took their public park away from them. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to come, we're providing you opportunities to do that, to have a good experience down at the border, and we, we'd love to have you join us. So, so keep up on all that. All right, Dan, well, that was a long bit, uh, but I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad we got to get it out, and there's going to be plenty more information coming to you all for, from what happened down there because we want to f- um, be able to backfill. And, and I also want to say, look, we, we also learned a lot. I learned a lot of the questions that matter to people. I learned that people really do care about this the, you know, the, if kids are being sex trafficked, so they think we need to stop immigration because they're trafficking children. The problem with that logic is what you're then saying is keep those kids in the hands of child 
sex traffickers in Mexico. So you're not stopping child sex trafficking. You're just keeping them from coming to the United States where maybe they could even get some help. So we need to think more clearly about what we're doing. If we think that the only reason they're being sex trafficked is because of migration uh, and immigration, they're being sex trafficked because people are sex trafficking kids. And if we just leave them on the Mexico side, we haven't solved any part of that problem at all. So right. if you care about kids, don't think that that is the solution to caring about children. Yeah. Thanks for everyone in the chat for hanging with us and uh, we'll be back next week with more uh, common goodness. Yeah. Uh, maybe even tomorrow with Paul Wallace. Oh, I'll let okay. you know. Yeah. Paul Wallace. We got to figure out. We, we had to rearrange things from last week when we went down to Eagle Pass. <laughs> so. All right, y'all. Uh, hey, we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.